Hey, this is Lori Acker. Welcome to the Small Church Ministry Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Small Church Ministry Podcast, where we believe small church ministry is not less ministry. It's just different, and it's really different. Today, we're going to be talking about a really important topic. Um, It's actually going to kind of address some foundational, I don't know, struggles we have in a whole bunch of different areas in one big fell swoop. Um, If you stick with me today, I am praying that you not only will be encouraged, but I'm actually expecting that you might experience a little lift in creativity, maybe an idea, a thought, or a nudge that might even send you in a great direction for a particular challenge that you might be facing today. What I want to talk about today is the idea that small churches do not have what big churches have and how this actually isn't a bad thing. In fact, we're going to talk about how it's actually a great thing, but only if we change our minds about it. So if you are in a smaller church and listening in here, um, how many of these statements can you relate to? First one is this. We don't have what the big church has. Amen? Yep, totally true. How about this statement? People have left our church because they wanted more programs. Maybe more programs for themselves, maybe a bigger program for their children. Has that happened to you? How about this statement? We don't have the budget to do everything we wish we could. Does that fit you sometimes? How about this? We are limited by our building or our lack of one for all you church planters out there or those of you who have churches that meet remotely. Do you ever feel limited by your facility? Like we don't have enough space for that to happen. Or maybe this statement, we struggle with our worship or lack of people with musical skills, or we wish we had a contemporary band, or we wish we had a trained song leader or musician. Do you resonate with that one? How about this one? We don't have money to hire a full-time pastor or even a part-time one. Or we could do more if we could hire more staff. How about this one, which is really common? I'm expecting a lot of head nods on this one. We don't have enough volunteers to run all of our ministries that we need, even on a Sunday morning, because so many things are happening simultaneously. So of all those statements, many of those could be facts that are totally true. But the focus of each one of those is on what we do not have. Now, I totally get it. Factually speaking, We might not have a playground or a dedicated nursery room or a worship team that has talent, musical talent, or maybe we don't have programs for every age group or a full-time staff to cover different ministry areas. And to all that, I would like to say, yes, maybe those are facts, but so what? So what? Now, when I'm saying so what, I don't mean I'm being, I'm not trying to be sassy, like get over it. I mean, really, so what? What could it mean? that we don't have those things. So what really leads us to, so what's next? So what's next? Okay, maybe that's true. So what's next? What do we want to do with that information and with those facts? And I'll tell you what most churches do. Most people in many small churches that that come and find us and talk to us in our groups and come to our conferences, at least before they meet us, they do this. It's pretty tempting not to focus 
on those facts and wishing that we could change those facts. Which, which keeps us honestly looking at lack, what we don't have. Now, sometimes those facts cause us to kind of troubleshoot. We don't have volunteers. Let's try to find more volunteers. We don't have talented musicians. Let's look for them or work on developing them. We don't have the finances we want. Let's look at fundraising ideas where we're trying to change that lack. Now, there's nothing core wrong with that necessarily, but I want to throw a different twist in here. (laughs) I don't know if you're old enough to remember the show MacGyver. This was like, I don't know, maybe mid-1980s. I kind of grew up with MacGyver. Um, So I loved MacGyver. Um, But if you don't know MacGyver, it was one of my favorites. Um, But MacGyver was a guy who could solve anything pretty much with duct tape. (laughs) He was, I think he was an agent of some sort um, that had this incredible resourcefulness. And any problem he encountered out in the field, he would solve using whatever he had on hand. Duct tape was one of my personal favorites. He always had duct tape. He would use chewing gum, shoestrings. I think there was an episode, if I'm remembering correctly, where he used Tabasco sauce, matches, paper clips, birthday candles, very ordinary things he would use to solve the problem or the struggle that he was facing or the challenge. Instead of focusing on what he didn't have, which was everything normal, (laughs) like anyone out there with a broken car, somebody who's wounded or, you know, I don't know, something crashing in around them, the normal tools that would solve this problem, what you would see in any fix-it commercial or YouTube video, he did not have those tools ever, Like, like nothing that you would think would be normal. Can you imagine if MacGyver just saw these challenges and went, oh, I don't have the wrench I need. I don't have the generator. I don't have a car to get that guy to the hospital. Oh, I don't have it. I don't have that. I wish I did. How do I find the wrench? Well, literally there was no wrench around. Now, I want to tell you, his solutions, as I mentioned, did not look like any normal kind of solutions. In our context, let's just say this. He wasn't looking at what the church down the street was doing. He wasn't looking at what they had, what they were using to do what they were doing. He looked at what was needed, the solution he was looking for, the need he was trying to fill, and he created new solutions. Do you get where I'm going? Duct tape. He always had duct tape. So here we are in smaller churches. We want to inspire people to worship. We want to teach people about Jesus. We want to love families with littles or teens. We want to welcome in singles and widows, people who are grieving, people who are struggling, people who are celebrating. We want to meet needs and show up for Jesus. So do we really think we can't do that without a band or without a nursery room or without Wi-Fi or without somebody who knows technology like the back of their hand, or without a paid staff, you can fill in the blank. Do you really think we can't do those things? Reaching people for Jesus, inspiring them for to worship, connecting them with the God of the universe. Do you really think we need those specific things? Or can we do it with duct tape <laughs> or matches or something else that we have on hand? Here's what I want to suggest. Instead of starting with what we don't have, 
and trying to fill that in, like trying to make up for that lack. We don't have enough volunteers. Let's get volunteers. We don't have musicians. Let's get volunteers. How about instead of trying to fill those holes with finances or resources or buildings or or whatever, what if we started instead with what we do have? So hang in with me. Don't leave yet. This is so important. Anytime I talk about like visioning for the future, moving ahead, setting goals, what do you want your ministry to look like? We always, always have to start with where we're at now. You'll see this in our ministry bundles that we have available. You'll see this in Small Church Network if you're in there with our trainings. We always start with where we are because it's impossible to plan a journey somewhere if you don't know where you are. But here's the thing. A lot of times when we think of where we are, we think of what we lack instead of what we have. And that's one of the things that I teach differently. What do we have? Not just, okay, where where are we right now? We have a terrible children's program. We don't have any youth. We don't have enough money. Our pastors burn out. Like think of all the things we could think of. Instead of thinking where we are from the vantage point of what we lack, Let's go deeper, and I believe more biblical, (laughs) and I want to encourage you to assess what you do have right now, where you are right now, where we're starting from. What are our resources? What are your gifts? Who are your people? Even if there's two. What are your facilities? Do you have a yard? Do you have a parking lot? Do you not? Maybe you have a park nearby. What do you have in storage? Do you have old puppets, flannel graphs? I don't care. (laughs) Do you have someone who loves to cook or someone who knows how to build things? Do you have a teacher? Do you have a student who loves and knows technology? Like what do you have? Let's start with what we have and not what we don't. Like, can you imagine having a ministry that is so out of the park. It's like a MacGyver ministry. Like what you had created the solution that nobody else had. Your ministry looks different. Your worship looks different. Your church looks different. Your outreach looks different than anyone else on the planet. Like to me, that is so like God. And by the way, what you have, this is a deep, deep belief of mine. I believe God has given you exactly what you need to do whatever he wants you to do today and tomorrow and this year. I'm not saying we're limited by that. I'm not saying God doesn't have bigger dreams for us that that may require other things. But for right now in ministry, I really believe we have everything around us that God has given us to do exactly what he wants us to do right now. Now, it's way, way easy to look at everything we don't have. It's actually easier to look at what we don't have. I think that's kind of just ingrained in our culture. (laughs) But let's do different and let's do better. And let's take the, I don't know, I don't think it's a difficult road. It might be a bigger challenge. It's definitely a different road to look at what you do have. MacGyver's solutions were always very unusual. Like how in the world did he think of these things? Why would he try these things? Like literally, let's say like a building is crashing down around him and his foot is caught under a board and he's like trying to find a solution out. Most people would just say, there's no solution. I'm going to die here. 
right? Or there's going to be this explosion and there's no solution. How did MacGyver think of different things or new things? And I just want to throw this out there a little bit to you. He practiced thinking of new things. He trained his brain to look around and see. He trained his heart just to reject the notion that there's no solution. God gave each and every one of us a very resourceful brain. This is why we have imagination. This is why we have creativity. This is why our brain synapses are firing all over the place. Our brain was actually made to solve problems, not just to copy what other people are doing. But there is a little bit of training we need to do because we've got to practice these things because we are so used to thinking the solution is already out there and we need to copy that as though it's easier to copy what they're doing and import that into your church. If you've ever tried that, you know it doesn't work. Why do we keep doing it? If you are serving in women's ministry, children's ministry, or youth ministry, and you're tired of ideas that don't work with smaller numbers and smaller budgets, or pouring time into events that don't seem to be making a difference, or starting and restarting with new people but the same struggles, we have got you covered. Check out our ministry bundles with done-for-you resources that work the first time, a step-by-step plan that fits into your busy schedule, and a strategy that gets others excited to join too. You can find the links to check them out in the show notes. We can often default to seeing lack instead of possibility. And this is one of those things that I really believe we need to train our brain to do is to look at possibilities. Look at where God is like shining, like illuminating something brand new. Because God always did new things. Like, I can't really think of times in the Bible where he literally showed up exactly the same way for different people. There wasn't like a pattern that like, this is supposed to be done this way all the time throughout all generations and all cultures. So what if in our ministries, we really believe that God's provided what he, what he's given us and it's good. And what if we started with what we have? Because we do have lots, and I mean lots. We have lots. The thing is, is when we see a typical solution, big church solution, mid-church solution, even just solutions you've seen in other small churches, or we remember what used to work 30 years ago, and we're trying these solutions, but they don't work. (laughs) We forget that there's other possibilities. Endless possibilities. Because really, how else could we serve young families if we don't have a nursery room to drop their littles off in? Like really, honestly, that's kind of a ludicrous thing anyway, that we think that's the best solution for young families, right? Is to take their kids down a hallway to strangers, drop them in a room where hopefully we have like their their little sippy cups labeled, leave them in there for an hour while we leave them. Like I'm not saying nurseries are bad, okay, at all. I think they can be a beautiful solution. But for us to think like that's the best, most creative, awesome solution to serve young families on a Sunday morning, That's just an interesting thought, right? Again, not talking bad about nurseries. I think they can be very beautiful. But what I just want to say is if we think that's the best, only, most creative, amazing solution ever, like I think we're a little short-sighted. 
How else could we draw people to worship an incredible God, the incredible God of the universe, without an expertly trained musician who's standing on stage in front of them to lead worship for 20 minutes? Like, why do we think that's the best thing anyway? Are you kind of with me? Like, I mean, do you get how, like, maybe even silly that thinking these things are the only solutions? What if for worship today we read Psalms for worship and did congregational readings or had different people read different parts? Would that draw people to worship? What if we closed our eyes and instead of playing worship music that's done on the radio that a lot of people have already heard, what if we closed our eyes and listened to the sounds of nature, birds or waves or even barnyard animals? Could that draw people to God? Now, of course, I'm not saying that's the only thing in a worship service. Of course, I'm not saying that's the core of discipleship. But couldn't we think a little outside the box? Now, I believe it's really biblical to start with what we have. What do we have? What do we have access to? What has God already gifted us with? What can we touch? What can we grab? What's around us? Just think for a minute about David and Goliath. David killed Goliath with a slingshot. (laughs) Now, I know a lot of people think of the little toy, the little slingshot toy, and this was actually a weapon of the day. Um, It wasn't little. It wasn't with a rubber band. It was like a sling that would shoot this big rock out, and it was used to, like, especially fight off animals of that time, but it was a peasant weapon. It was a weapon of the peasants. It wasn't the best weapon of that time period. David used what he had seems a little bit MacGyver-ish to me. (laughs) What about Jesus and the loaves and the fish? Now, I know this is a very, very typical story. Most of us have heard the story of the the little boy who brings the the loaves and the fishes. And of course, just a handful of food is not going to feed 5,000 people, right? But it's that thought of starting with what we have, not with what we do not have. I can think of so many stories in the Bible where there was just a lot of resourcefulness going on that wasn't ideal. And yet, shockingly enough, God showed up and did really, really big things. Really, really big things. Because God showing up wasn't reliant upon what humans have and what humans don't have. God still shows up. So I want to encourage you today to make a big list of what you have in your ministry area or your church and make it a big list. Just just like put everything else out of your head. Don't worry about solutions. Don't worry about challenges. Just make a big list of what you have in your ministry area. Like if you're a Sunday school teacher, or if you're in charge of a certain ministry area, or even in your church as a whole, make a list of all the people. Next to the people, make a list of their skills, their talents, the things that you know about them, even their hobbies. And don't discount anything. If you have somebody who likes to can vegetables, great, write it down. Maybe somebody even knows how to make origami birds or something, write it down. Maybe somebody has a heart for nature or loves hiking. When you think about resources, your building, the rooms, maybe you think you don't have enough rooms. Don't worry about that. Just list that you have four rooms. You have a parking lot. Maybe you have carpet squares stored somewhere. 
What do you have? What resources do you have? Maybe there's some money. Maybe there's people in your church with money. (laughs) Maybe again, you have land. Maybe there's property. Maybe there's a small yard. Think of talents. Think of possessions. Think of things. What do you have? What gifts? What passions? And think about what's in your community. Just write it down. What is nearby in your community? or even a little bit out there in your community? What's close by? Is there a school close by? No? Is there a hot dog stand close by? Is there a shopping area with a big parking lot? Maybe there's unused land. Maybe there's, I don't know, an abandoned storefront. Maybe you're close to a fire station. Whatever, just write down what you have, what's close by, what's around. Now, maybe as I say this, you're feeling stuck. If you are and you feel like you can't make a big list, let it kind of be a little fluid. Um, Pray and just ask God like every day, just add one more thing. Keep the list out and just add to it all the time. Maybe you're making the list in your phone. Maybe you want others to help you make the list. Don't, Don't worry about doing anything with this list. Just make a list of what you have. Because oftentimes what you have turns into what you have to give. What you have, what others have, talent, skills, and desires. Because here's the thing about ministry. MacGyver could fix almost anything with duct tape. Like that's kind of the joke, right? And the thing about ministry is, I think our biggest resource, I don't want this to sound trite, but I really believe it's true. I think our biggest resource is love. That unconditional love, welcoming, that energy we have when we give people when they walk in the door, when we just love them and they can almost feel it. It's one of our tools. It's one of our gifts. Straight from God. Now, I'm not saying it's all we need. MacGyver needed more than duct tape, but I don't want to discount that. This is one of those things we have to give. But I'm just going to tell you this when we are so focused on what we don't have, I want to be honest, we lose the impact or knowing the impact of that love, that acceptance, that welcome that we have to give. Sorry to talk about MacGyver so much, but he's so in my brain right now. If MacGyver looked at all the things he didn't have, he would honestly forget he had duct tape because it would send him into this hopeless spin, which I think is sometimes where we end up on Sunday mornings. When we are trying to run a live stream and nursery, And the same person who's trying to man the nursery is also in charge of planning for Sunday school or kids worship. And the pastor is running back to deal with the sound because there's nobody back there. And we start multitasking because there's so few of us doing everything, trying to do all these things the way we've seen them done in other churches. And it just leads to no good because it leads into ministry burnout. It contributes to people seeing the people running the church as busy and stressed, so they don't want to be involved. It kills our joy. It kind of snuffs out the love (laughs) because we don't have space to love people, to even see them or welcome them because we are so busy running around trying to make solutions work that are more focused on what we don't have than what we do. Now, I want to just throw out, because I know that this is uh, a lot, 
if you've been trying to run your church with all the standard ways that we think a church should run. And I just want to throw out a few fun solutions that have been shared in our community um, recently. And I think I'll just give you three or four of them. But one popped up, um, I think it was last week in our free Facebook community. By the way, if you're not in there, come join us. Um, it's called Creative Solutions for Small Churches. We'll make sure the link is in the show notes. But uh, Calise posted this. Now, Calise is in a small church um, in California. And I'm just going to read you what she posted. She said, last year, we removed some pews and made a quiet play area for our kids to join us in the sanctuary during worship. Okay, you got to picture this. Okay, this is not Calise. This is me. You got a worship center. They took some pews out. So there is a quiet play area in the sanctuary during worship. I know some of you are having panic attacks right now, but listen, this is what she said. One of the toddlers couldn't sit still for anything. The dad was in prison. The mom is a new Christian, was trying to do her best to have her three boys in church every Sunday. But the littlest was having none of this sitting still stuff. So we shifted and we made a quiet play area. This past Sunday confirmed that it was a great decision. This is what Khalees says during worship. (laughs) It's amazing. She said, during worship, I had stopped to say something about God singing over us. And all of a sudden, above everything else, you could hear the littlest voice of one of our toddlers continuing to sing restless love. The words weren't there, but the melody was clear. So for just a moment, we all stopped and listened to a two-year-old sing with the angels and worship God in the purest of ways. Kalise went on to say, by simply making appropriate space for our people, half of who are under 12, our precious kids have a song in their heart and worship on their tongues. This is literally something I will never forget. And Kalise, if you're listening... (laughs) I just want to tell you, anyone who read your story will never forget that. Now, that's a risk. I'm going to tell you all that's a risk to take out pews in your sanctuary and turn it into a quiet place, a quiet play place during worship. I also realize right now this will not work in every culture. And I'm also not suggesting that you import this into your culture, right? But what I want you to see is is this church looked at a creative way to solve their issue, their challenge to make that space work for the people they had. Isn't that beautiful? Another another story I just want to share with you, um, I know some of you have heard this before, but Dee and Tony Bryce in the UK talked about how they have like, they've done so much work in their worship and they had like almost a professional band for a long time. But at one point, they stripped their worship back. They literally removed all the worship leaders and they took a season to teach their congregation about worship that it wasn't about the songs. It wasn't about the musicianship. And they said they did this until the congregation itself became the worship leaders. I'm not saying the people in the congregation were up on the stage. I'm saying the congregation saw themselves as the worship leaders. Is that not beautiful? Out of the box, different. What's the solution to our struggle? It doesn't have to look like the next church. Um, The last story I will mention here today, just for the sake of time, um, is Holly Sharp, who I think there's even a blog post written about this on our website. She's written several posts on our website about uh, students with neurodiversity or special needs, um, even some family uh, type posts. But one year at her small church, she led 
um, a vacation Bible school specifically for students with special needs. And the response in her community, by the way, if you think your community doesn't have families with special needs, you are wrong, like dead wrong, completely dead wrong. I will tell you why they're not coming into your church. Because most families who have all sorts of different needs, um, neurodiversity, um, even severe ADHD, um, physical disabilities, they don't feel welcome at church. I can give you hundreds of stories of families in these situations who literally stopped going to church because they were not welcome and not loved and they were not cared for. So please understand that. That was a little bit of an offshoot. Sorry about that. But way to go, Holly. Now, this wasn't just a church that said, oh, we should do this because we saw another church do this. No, they started with what they had. What do we have? How could we meet this need? Well, Holly is a trained professional in this area and has a heart for it and was able to train people to run this vacation Bible school specifically to reach the families with these students who had different needs that didn't fit into the others. Do you see how each of these stories, they didn't start with what they didn't have. They started with what they had. Colise, they have a family. This child isn't sitting still. They want to meet this family. They didn't say, oh my gosh, we don't have a specialist in this area. Oh my gosh, we don't have a dedicated nursery. We don't have volunteers. We can't do anything. They looked at what they could do and what they had. So when you hear about a church partnering with a school, this amazing partnership with the school, and they've got this great relationship with the principal, and they're going in all the time, and they're leading camps and all this kind of stuff, that doesn't mean you need to import that into your church. Do you have a school close by? Maybe you do. But it it doesn't mean that needs to be your thing. The point was that church that did that was looking at what they had. They had a few teachers. They had a relationship with the school. In fact, the school was across the street from their church. They started with what they had, not with what they didn't. I've heard churches say, we don't have a school nearby. Great. What do you have nearby? Do you have a park that has people there who are without homes? Do you have families in your church who love missions? Maybe you're a raising up missionary church. Do you have a park nearby that doesn't have a whole bunch of rules where you could go and maybe lead a camp or worship at the park? Maybe these things are things you can explore, but maybe not. The point is, don't get stuck on what you don't have. Consider what you do have. Rebecca Herring, who's speaking at our upcoming um, kids and youth ministry um, conference, um, she started this ministry to teenage girls or, or young girls um, that had to do with sewing because she sewed and had a sewing machine. She'll share more of her story, but it's not like she saw this other church who had this ministry with sewing machines. She started with what she had. What do I do with what I have? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Sounds kind of biblical to me. (laughs) Maybe you have someone in your church who takes things to the animal rescue, the um, center, the fostering place for dogs and cats. Maybe that's a desire there. Could you see a mentorship involved there with teens? I can. Maybe, maybe not. Just remember, it's not about sewing. It's about connecting. It's not about singing. It's about worship. It's not about programs. It's about 
connecting with people and meeting needs. So what needs are around that you can meet? So how does this sound? What do you think of this thought of just making a list of what you have and asking God, what do we do with this? Of making the shift in your mind from changing the focus to what we don't have to what we do have. What do we have to give? What creative solutions could we find? And I want to tell you one thing that should be on your list of what you do have. One asset that we all have that we take for granted is really our beautiful creative mind that God gave us, that he created us with to think of new things. And maybe as I was talking, maybe something popped to mind, maybe someone popped to mind, maybe a hobby, maybe an interest, maybe a location in your community, maybe some resource that you have. And if something did pop to your mind while you were listening to this podcast, would you please write it down? If you're driving, I don't know how to make a note for you because I don't want you to wreck the car, close your eyes or write while you're driving. But after you're done driving, like write it down as soon as you can. Because just maybe that was a little nudge. If you don't know what to do with it, it's okay. Pray over it. Think about it. Talk to a few other people about it. But then let's take some risks and step out and try some things that no one's ever done. Because I also believe that's very godlike. And one more thing I just want to share before I go. When, when we talk about starting with what we have, um, sometimes people in their minds go to that word contentment. I need to be content with what I have, which is totally true. However, I would like to just talk about the word contentment because I think sometimes in our Christian land, we have turned it into an acceptance of we need to accept what we were given. And I like to, um, I don't know, draw a defining line between the difference of acceptance and contentment. Because when I think of the word acceptance, I think of uh, you need to accept it and get over it. Has anyone ever said that to you? You just need to accept this. You need to accept it. Usually when people say you need to accept something, it's something that you don't want. (laughs) It's something that you don't want. There's a little bit of resignation or giving up. Okay, I will accept it. I will be, some people use the word content here, I will be content with what God has given because apparently he doesn't want me to have the big stuff that I want, right? Now, okay, so let me just just give you my take on the word contentment. (laughs) To me, acceptance is how we deal with disappointment contentment is when we embrace God's gifts. Contentment is when we see the things around us, not as a plan B or just a second, you know, a a second solution. It's not a plan B. These are the gifts that God's given us to be resourceful with, to be creative with, to allow him to come in and make a big impact as we use what we have, even if it's a slingshot. (laughs) or it's a little basket that has a couple fish and loaves in it. Because I would like to say the things that we have really are beautiful gifts of God. I want you to think about um, Colise's story about the little child who's singing in the back of the quiet play area in a big, in in the church, in the big church setting. And I want to tell you only a small church can do that. A megachurch cannot have a quiet play area in their sanctuary, at least not at that level. 
In a big mega church, he would never hear a little two-year-old singing restless love. In a moment of unplanned silence. This is the beauty of a smaller church. Let's not discount the gifts that God has given us. What God has called you to is not duplicatable. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be unique and special and wonderful because you are unique. I think if we could stop worrying about duplicating the best ministry ideas out there and get in touch with what God's given us, us that is completely unique and special because we are and the people around us are and our church culture is and the community we're in is and our neighborhood is, the land around us is unique. None of us are in the same space. So why would our ministries look the same? I think instead of worrying about duplicating what we see, we would do better just to embrace joining with God in what he's doing right in our midst. So what do you have? Make your big old list. I'm excited to see God work with it. And remember, every time those thoughts come in of, I, we don't have this, I wish I had that. If we only just remember that word contentment is not about accepting in resignation the place that we have been put. Contentment is about embracing the gifts that God has already given us. So let's go do that. If you have not taken the time yet to leave a review of this podcast, and this podcast brings you encouragement, ideas, a little lift in your day, um, please just take a moment to leave a review. It really does help people find us. If you're not sure how to leave a review, just check the show notes. Maggie has a link in there that you can click just to leave a review. Um, We would love to um, just be able to share the encouragement that you've gotten with others. Um, It helps people find our podcast too. So, all right, make that list of what you have and uh, be a light.